1: And welcome back everybody, episode 52 of the announcer schedules podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gill, along with Phil DeMont-Mullen, the voice, the face, the handle at announcer sketch. Don't forget, like, rate, review, subscribe. And if you hit that subscribe button, don't forget, you'll get free podcasts for the price of one and they're all free. Of course, last word on sports media with TJ Reeves that drops on Wednesdays. Uh, tell me a story I don't know what George Offman drops on Tuesdays. Our pod, the announcer schedules podcast, which you're listening to right now, generally drops on Thursday. We're on Friday this week, Phil, because we've got a special guest uh, that we are very excited to talk to, the multidimensional, multi-talented voice of the Philadelphia 76ers, and among uh, many other projects and jobs that she has, the great Kate Scott will be joining us this week on the
0: announcer schedules podcast for episode 52 yeah can't wait to talk to Kate Scott a real trailblazer in the industry as far as the things she's made happen on the play by play side uh, some big news lately she's going to be part of that broadcast team on Fox as far as calling the women's world cup this summer which is a huge property for Fox she's also going to be the Seahawks preseason television voice and will be coming back for another year with the Sixers as well. So really interested to learn more about Kate's journey and also these new opportunities for her as well. But hey, you know, the, as the summer marches on, we keep on wondering like hey, when is this ever going to slow down the these announcer news and so forth and NBA finals and Stanley Cup finals wrapped up this past week and so you think you're going to get a breather but you know, college world series begins today, the US Open's happening this weekend, we've got Major League Baseball action all over the place uh, amongst other sports. And, yeah, we keep on trucking along here on the announcer schedules podcast.
1: Yeah. And speaking of Kate, she replaced the great Mark Zumoff, who was a guest of the pod uh, recently. So you can go back in our archives and listen to Mark, because He told a great story about Kate replacing him. Uh, she was on his new podcast and talked a lot about all the reaction that she got from fans and listeners Uh, or viewers, I should say. She is the television voice of the 76ers. We also had the radio voice of the Sixers. Tom McGinnis was on the pod back in our archives. So go check out the archives and listen to your favorite uh, interviews. We've had some great ones here on the show. Uh, A plethora of voices have been a part. Last week, Brian Boucher, who called the Stanley Cups. He was the analyst uh, for Sports USA Radio. Uh, So we got to hear his journey from player two broadcaster that was kind of cool so brian boucher last week we had larry Colmus uh back from the kentucky derby last year and of course he did the derby this year and the preakness this year he did not do the belmont uh, that was tom durkin back for that and there was some interesting reactions about the uh audio mix on the fox broadcast i don't know if you saw any of that phil but we can certainly throw that into the notes section for this week but let's start it all the sports are done there's no more live action in the nba The finals have ended, and the Nuggets are the NBA champions uh, for the first time in their history. They win it in five.
0: Yeah, great run for the Miami Heat, but the Nuggets win it in five games. uh, Much deserved. And, yeah, you know, I'm sure there were some folks hoping that this series would be extended you often hear that as far as like the the industry and so forth because there's more money to be made and that kind of thing but the nuggets put it away in in 5 right. games and yeah just some some great broadcasting all the way around whether it's that the abc crew with with Mike Breen and company ESPN radio with, with Mark Kestcher and other former guests of the podcast, uh lead in the charge there. And yeah, just, just great stuff as far as those productions, as far as those calls and so forth. And, you know, once again, I think fans, uh, enjoyed the NBA finals and and all that it brought to the table.
1: Yeah, of course, Mike Breen, I thought he had an outstanding final, like four minute there, Phil, the back and forth, the energy was there. You could tell that this was coming down the stretch and it was time to lace up the boots. And I thought Breen really brought it in that final four minutes. I mean, obviously he brings it all the time, but that final four minutes, the intensity uh, really picked up. And I thought he was on point uh, those last couple minutes when the game was going back and forth and it was in peril.
0: Yeah, and I thought Van Gundy and Jackson really brought in some poignant, um, you know, context as well, and also some observations. In particular, you know, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo sort of like took a little bit of a back seat there down the stretch, and they kept on saying, you know, the Heat can't have their role players carrying them during this this stretch and th- things like that that they they noticed. Um, I thought it was just outstanding down the stretch, and you're right, Breen really gets going down those you know final few minutes and you start to feel the energy in the building but also every possession matters so much at that point point. and you mentioned mark Kessischer was a guest of our
1: podcast let's hear how it went down on espn radio mark Kessischer on the national radio call espn radio watch kyle lowry coming in from out of bounds
0: lowry right base sideline gets it in gets it back shoots a three no good rebound caldwell Pope. 10 seconds to go miami's not gonna foul
1: No team in NBA history's waited longer. After 47 years, the Denver Nuggets are finally NBA champions. They take down the Heat in five games. The Nuggets, the 2023 NBA champs. Mark Hester, P.J. Carlissimo, you heard on the voice coming into that clip there, and you know, Kessinger, back on the podcast, if you go back to our archives and listen to his conversation, super nice guy and just does a super solid job. I mean, just a solid call there. Uh, and PJ, and Doris Burke as well. You did not hear her as part of that clip, uh, but always enjoy hearing Mark Kessinger. We do carry uh, the ESPN radio call on my station here in Atlantic City, and I hear a lot of Mark and just a solid call there.
0: Yeah, I caught a lot of the ESPN Radio Action this finals. I just happened to be in my car for some of these, you know, first quarters and so forth in in some of these games and got to enjoy Mark and Doris and uh PJ's call, also Ross Gold on Day was handling the reporter uh duties and yeah, Kevin Winter in the studio. It's just a great production all the way around. Obviously a lot of experience there with that group and Mark's starting to, you know, get a run going himself where, you know, on the radio side similar to Breen on the TV side you're becoming familiar that hey it's NBA finals time and and here's another call from Mark Kestescher
1: yeah Mark Kestescher great job there if you missed our conversation with Mark go back to the archives and listen to him and let's go back to the TV side where Mike Breen we talked about it last week uh, 100th finals game it's the all-time list he's at the top
0: yeah you know so I want to give some credit to the a Twitter account, unnecessary sports research. If you want to give these guys a, a follow, they they come up with some really interesting numbers, charting you know all time games broadcast by a bunch of announcers, you know, throughout different sports and so forth. And they put together the all-time list, one through ten of the most NBA Finals games. Breen, of course, on top now, calling his 100th game in Game 5 of the NBA Finals. Uh, His list includes not just play-by-play and analysts, but also reporters, and studio hosts. So uh, it basically goes as such. Breen Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, one, two, three. Brent Musburger, fourth. Doris Burke, fifth. Yeah, she did a lot of uh, years as the uh, reporter on ABC's coverage. Ahmad Rashad, sixth, uh, the the uh, studio host for, for many, many years. And then two play-by-players, Dick Stockton and Marv Albert, uh, seventh and eighth. So they would be the ones right behind Mike Breen, Rick Barry, and Pat O'Brien round out the top 10. Uh, Stockton and and, uh, Marv Albert, by the way, both called nine NBA finals, while uh, Breen now 17 NBA finals, 15 with Van Gundy and Jackson. So kind of interesting to put together those numbers. And, you know, if you look even further in terms of other sports, just to kind of give it even more perspective, Joe Buck, 135 World Series games. For Fox, Uh, Doc Emmerich, 110 Stanley Cup Finals for ESPN versus NBC, if we put it all together. And then on the radio side, Chick Hearn, the legendary Lakers voice, 121 games on the NBA Finals. And Vin Scully, 126 World Series games. So there's a couple more, you know... um, play by players there that Breen can chase down in these record books here. And if he keeps going for the next five, six, seven years, you know, I, I, it, He's going to uh, eclipse these other names too when it goes to other sports and major sports championships. But we're getting pretty high up there as far as some elite company when you talk about 100 NBA Finals games called by Mike Breen.
1: Yeah, Mike Breen, uh, there you go. Uh, just an epic career so far for Mike. And seems like he's got a lot of gas left in the tank. So we'll see how many more he can pile on to this list. Announcer Schedules Podcast NBA. Uh, last week we had – Ryan Boucher on the podcast, of course, of ESPN. And his duty for the Stanley Cup Finals was Sports USA Radio. So, hat tip to Lyle Gordon and the people at Sports USA Radio for hooking us up uh, with Brian Boucher. Vegas wins in five games. And that was Kenny Albert and TNT's first foray into the Stanley Cup Finals.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed the TNT coverage quite a bit. Now, that fifth game, obviously, not what any. One wanted, you know, from a television perspective because it was such an overwhelming blowout as far as Vegas um, running away with it. Uh, I know that the ratings were, were very low as a result of that and so forth. But all that being said, you know, I think a, a successful Stanley Cup playoffs and Stanley Cup finals, uh, TNT uh, handling the uh, finals along with, you know, a simulcast on True TV and TBS. Kind of interesting how, you know, it was sort of if you're on cable, you know. One channel away, you could watch it, you know, basically the same exact show. But Kenny Albert on play-by-play, Eddie Olchick, who's done so many of these, um, you know, part of that team as well. Keith Jones in his last uh, game before becoming the president of the Philadelphia Flyers. That was an interesting side story. Darren Pang down on the ice. And then Jackie Redmond, the reporter, I thought she emerged as sort of a new star in the industry you know with this opportunity to call the stanley cup finals uh, i saw a lot of kudos going her way uh, she did a great interview with the uh, panthers head coach which is always kind of interesting talking to the losing head coach on in a, in a one-on-one after one of those and it was really candid and uh you kind of saw jackie's style as far as her her interviewing and so forth so i want to give a hat tip to her as well but yeah stanley cup finals in the books and uh you know um I think altogether a compelling year for the for the NHL. Whether it be watching games on TNT or ESPN, and then of course, uh, as you mentioned, you know on the on the national radio side as well. well. Why
1: don't we hear a little national radio? Kenny Albert, who of course is also the voice of the uh, New York Rangers, uh, and of course he called the finals here for TNT. The Vegas Golden Knights are the first professional franchise from Vegas to capture a major professional sports title. silver trophy to the So, Phil, I want to get your thoughts on that because uh, you hear Kenny Albert at the beginning, the silver trophy to the Golden Knights, and then about a minute or so lay out there with the horns and the cheering and all that stuff. Uh, So very uh, quick, concise. It's 9-3. He had all the time in the world to write this down. And uh, cute, silver trophy to the Golden Knights.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Short and sweet. And as we've talked about so many times on on this podcast, the art of laying out and letting, you know, the pictures and the producers and the directors uh, do the heavy lifting at that point. Obviously, you need the cooperation of your your analysts as well and and have them on board there. And uh, that was indeed the case. And that atmosphere was pretty wild at the as that horn blew and so i think it was uh, more than appropriate to lay out a little longer than usual there was actually a drone video Uh, going around as well as far as what that arena was like at that moment that uh, we just heard uh, from Kenny Albert. So, um, you know, I I love that style as far as, you know, handling a a final call and and so forth. And I think it was appropriate for the Stanley Cup finals.
1: Yeah, the Stanley Cup finals. And of course, they had it on Sportsnet in Canada as well. Sports USA Radio. Uh, So a hat tip to everybody on their work this year on the Stanley Cup. All right, the NHL is in the books. The only sport that is live uh, is Major League Baseball, and of course uh, baseball is back, uh, and we had a funny little moment in the baseball world that I think everybody has seen this viral video going around of Yankees broadcaster on the radio John Sterling calling a foul ball, Phil, and taking one off the noggin.
0: Yeah, this was really exceptional. You know, not just the idea that that John Sterling was able to take a foul ball that landed into the booth, uh, direct shot off the forehead it looked like, and able to keep the call going, you know, in real time, um, shake it off, call the rest of the game, and perhaps the most exceptional thing of all is You know, everyone uh, agreed that it was it'd be okay to release the video, which was kind of wild, too. So, you know, I'm sure they had to run that by John Sterling. I know this came up earlier in the year. You know, Kevin Harlan not wanting those inside the booth videos out there necessarily. But I think the viewers love it. And Sterling loves Sterling loves it. Yeah.
1: He is playing to the camera and he is hamming it up.
0: But in this case, you know, I mean, that could be a bit of an embarrassing moment at the same time, like, it, you know, but I think – you know, once again, they realized that they had cinematic gold in a sense, as far as this this inside the booth video. But just remarkable altogether for for John Sterling at his advanced age to you know to be able to keep going like that. That's that has got to hurt, right? First and foremost, that a glancing hurts blow. For- he
1: said it was a glancing blow. Let's take a <laughs> yeah. listen to uh, John Sterling on the Sterling Cam WFA in New York. And now the three two swung on a pop foul back here.
0: Ow! Ow! Ow!
1: It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. So once again, it'll be a 3-2. And Holmes ready to deal. A ground ball to third. Donaldson squares. Throws to first in time. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. You know, that foul ball actually hit me. It kind of glanced off my forehead. So I took one for the team.
2: Okay, John. Uh, my my star of the game is Kyle Higashioka, who wants to know if you're all right. Are you okay, John? Yes. Okay, I, yes. I yeah. am
1: okay. Just to- right, Susan Waldman, of course, uh, the analyst for WFAN, asking the postgame questions. Are you okay? Yes, I'm okay. He said, I got a glancing blow. I took
0: one for the team. Yeah, um... Just a note here Sterling is 84 years old. He turns 85. On his birthday coming up next month it's July fourth is his birthday by the way uh he'll turn eighty five so um you know just want to to shout him out being able to to take one for the team as he said and uh continue that broadcast uh pretty remarkable stuff you know you often kid about it you know when you're doing baseball and you've got the windows open at the press box like hey are is a foul ball gonna 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 hit us one of these days or land in here and that kind of thing and it rarely happens but When it does, you know, you got to be alert for that kind of thing and uh, keep your head on a swivel. Well, and, you know, John
1: has cut back his travel a little bit. I mean, he's not doing every single game, but as you mentioned, uh, still sounds great. He's still, you know, well, John's one of those guys up there who has a very distinct, unique style uh, to that team. And, uh, you know, listening to a Yankee game without him obviously sounds like, whoa, what's going on here? John, very, um, you know. Uh, tied to that franchise. So good to hear him still doing the games, and he pushed along there after the foul ball uh, that he took. Now, if you watch the video on the Sterling Cam, they actually have a thing called the Sterling Cam. Um, It bounces, and he's kind of tracking the ball right into the booth there, and it, bang, hits the table in front of him, hits him right off the forehead, and he just kept on going. I mean, he gave a couple, ow, ow, but (laughs) I mean, he just kept on going. Great job.
0: Funny stuff. Uh, yeah, the ow, ow, ow was my my favorite part personally, but yeah, great stuff. And then you get Susie Walden chiming in also. Uh, this awesome weekend, stuff.
1: Uh, tonight we're taping on Friday. Apple TV Plus is back uh, with their bat, uh, baseball matchups, Pittsburgh, Milwaukee. That's Alex Foss, who we talked about on last week's podcast. Of course, he was with the Kings, and uh, they let him go, but he's obviously still on his feet doing baseball here. Ryan Spielborgs, Tricia Whitaker, and then the White Sox. And the Mariners, Wayne Randazzo, Dontrell Willis, and Heidi Watney are doing that game. So Apple TV Plus on Friday nights.
0: Yeah, as we're taping on Friday, those are the Apple TV Plus matchups. One note there, um, kind of got this word late in the game. Uh, Taylor McGregor, who's one of the voices of the Chicago Cubs, will be doing that Pittsburgh-Milwaukee game in place of Trisha Whitaker. And... Basically, how it goes is Whitaker, who's part of the Rays broadcast team, who, by the way, uh, they did a nice job because they happened to be covering that reverse boycott game up in Oakland <laughs> the the other night. And as the visiting broadcast crew, they did a great job kind of telling that story there. But Whitaker uh, is with the uh, Rays down in San Diego for the Rays padre series. And as a result, Taylor McGregor will be the reporter tonight on Apple TV Plus uh, for Pittsburgh and Milwaukee.
1: Got a lot of national games as baseball now kind of takes over the television. FS1 uh, Saturday, Fox, uh, the main broadcast on Saturday night, and uh, late night on FS1, you got games on Saturday. You've also got ESPN Radio of the Red Sox and Yankees. That's Dave O'Brien and Greg Olson. And then on Sunday, you'll have the Peacock game. Uh, Baltimore and the Cubs, ESPN Radio, they've got the Sunday night baseball game, and uh, obviously baseball now uh, is taking center stage.
0: Yeah, so for the second straight weekend, you've got a Yankees-Red Sox series, this time up in, in Fenway Park. So obviously a lot of the, the attention will be on that. That'll be the, the primary Fox game. Uh, we mentioned Tampa Bay and San Diego. That'll be the, the secondary Fox game on, on Big Fox, but they've got a very, very small part of the, the country actually getting that game on Saturday night. Um, the former guests of the podcast, Kevin Kugler and Tom Verducci, Uh, They're going to actually be on that FS1 game during the afternoon, Angels and Royals. And then, as you mentioned, you know, we've got the Sunday action. Um, Always interesting to see who Peacock ends up using on any given week. Uh, Brendan Burke, the play-by-play announcer, but as we have talked about before, they bring in an analyst from each of the teams participating. And in this case, uh, representing the Orioles side of things will be uh, Hall of Famer Jim Palmer, and then Joe Girardi on the Cub side of things. So um, interesting broadcast crew there. And, you know, of course, Yankees, Red Sox on, on Sunday night. No surprise there.
1: Yeah, so uh, there's the MLB. Let's go to college. The World Series begins tonight. We're taping on Friday, ESPN. And, yes, uh, Westwood One Radio, uh, if uh, select affiliates uh, pick up the Westwood One radio call of the College Baseball World Series.
0: Yeah. Uh, as we're taping here on Friday, the, the College World Series getting going in Omaha. This is an event I got to go to a few times early in my career uh, when I worked for the University of Miami. Just spectacular event the way the city of Omaha rolls out the the red carpet for the, the teams participating in the College World Series. And, you know, uh, ESPN will have coverage throughout. Uh, they've got a couple broadcast teams there. Uh, Carl Ravitch. Uh, leading one of them. Um, of course, he'll step aside on the Sundays, uh, as well as Eduardo Perez, who's part of that team, uh, when there's Sunday Night Baseball. Mike Monaco, former guest of the podcast, uh, will be the play-by-play announcer for the, the other broadcast team. And then Westwood One, as you mentioned, you know, we talked about uh, this arrangement with Kevin Kugler back when we had him on the show last summer. And the way it works is Kugler, uh, Scott Graham... They who are, you know, voices that Westwood One listeners are very familiar with nationally, they'll handle the championship series. But for all the games leading up to that, it's a group of announcers who are all Nebraska based. And it's kind of interesting how Westwood One, you know, sort of, um, you know, brings these guys in to to, to uh run the show and, and so forth during these games and names like John Bishop and Gary Sharp, uh Connor Happer handling uh the reporting duties. Also Mike Farron and Nick Hanley are going to be a couple of the analysts. Uh Bishop is the voice of the Creighton Blue Jays. And these guys uh, know the market, know the College World Series, know the facility, all these things. And they'll handle all the games up until that final uh, best of three championship series when uh, Kevin Kugler will take over there. But it was kind of cool to learn sort of how that works. If listeners want to go back and really kind of dive into, you know, how that um, all evolved Um, actually uh, Kugler himself kind of came up that way because he was from, you Know, um, you know, one of those radio stations in Nebraska that had this opportunity at the College World Series, so kind of a cool deal there. But I love this event, and it'll be getting going, uh, before we know it here, uh, on Friday.
1: Yeah, and as you mentioned, I think, uh, we did have Kugler back on, and he really chronicled how special doing that event was for him. He grew up in that area and got his first kind of, you know, chances at play by play in that area. So go back and listen to Kevin Kugler talk about the College World Series and how cool of an event that is, and uh, obviously uh, ESPN Westwood won college baseball, and uh, also some sad news on the college baseball side. Kyle Brown, ESPN, tell us a little bit uh, about his role at ESPN. I saw a lot of
0: tributes. Kirk Herbstreit, I thought, had a really good one on social media. Yeah, this was just absolutely tragic. You know, there was a, a super regional game, um, last weekend, Alabama versus Wake Forest in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and all of a sudden there was a, an announcement uh, where the game was going to be delayed due to a medical emergency. The fans were being held outside the gates, weren't even allowed into the the, the seats. And um, as the word eventually came out, um, a big part of the ESPN production, uh, Kyle Brown, um, who was the director of, for that game uh worked with the company for over 16 years and uh he passed away um on you know game day you know and at the age of 42 which is just absolutely tragic so um our our Hearts and, and prayers uh, go out to Kyle Brown and his family. And then the tributes, as you mentioned, rolled in and kind of gave you the scope of just, you know, how much great work Kyle has done behind the scenes, you know, supporting so many of these announcers that we've talked about in bringing the viewers, you know, the the end product that you get to see on, on ESPN across so many sports and not just. Herb Street, but Tarico dating back to his ESPN days, Holly Rowe, uh, Laura Rutledge, Lewis Reddick, Ryan McGee, um, Wes Durham chimed in, Bob was choosing, um, you name it, you know, you were hearing from folks, you know, just kind of, you know, sharing their memories of Kyle Brown. So wanted to take a moment to, to talk about this and, you know, just um, exceptional um, situation that, you know, is just absolutely tragic. And, you know, do want to commend also the ESPN crew because this is someone who they're working right alongside and who's a big, big part of, you know, running that show for that super regional game. Well, the game ended up going off a couple hours later and they, they did pull off the broadcast as well. So that had to be a very difficult team for not just that game, for that, not just that, um, broadcast crew, but also the announcing team. And uh they were able to to execute it, um, which is what I'm sure Kyle would have wanted, of course. But um just tough, tough news um for, for the ESPN family and wanted to share our condolences.
1: Yes, uh sad news on that ESPN side. Uh, We'll transition over to the golf world, which is having their U.S. Open this weekend. And obviously, uh, live coverage. It's been interesting because it's in prime time since it's out in L.A. You're getting golf at 10 o'clock at night on the East Coast here. Uh, Comprehensive coverage with uh, NBC, Peacock, USA, and Dan Hicks, Terry Gannon, Steve Sands are on the call. But it's a huge broadcast team bringing you the 123rd.
0: Yeah, uh first time to Los Angeles in in 75 years and like you said it kind of is interesting in terms of the time zone for those types who who like to sleep in a little bit on the east coast. It makes it a little easier to, you know, keep up with all the the golf, but you mentioned Dan Hicks kind of anchoring the the play-by-play duties, um, you know, he's coming off doing the play-by-play at the French Open on tennis. So this is kind of a big stretch you know, for for NBC in terms of golf and tennis and so forth this time of the year, and Dan Hicks a, a big, big part of that. Um, you know, uh Paul Eisenger, the, the you know, kind of the the lead analyst on this crew as well. Then all sorts of you know golf regulars including uh, names like Jimmy Roberts uh who also handles the the essays. So uh should be interesting, you know, as this US Open Unfolds, And, you know, it, it's interesting also to see kind of the differences when we shift from, you know, watching CBS for, you know, say the Masters and the uh, PGA Championship and now moving over uh, to the NBC coverage here at the U.S. Open.
1: Yes. Uh, so there you go. Golf U.S. Open this weekend. And that Jim Nance call has been everywhere on that 72 foot eagle putt uh, at the Canadian Open last week. It almost felt like uh, that putt was to win the Masters the way Nance uh,
0: brought that thing home. Well, absolute wild, too. You know, 70-foot eagle putt, that in and of itself is absolutely exceptional. But then it was a walk-off in terms of, you know, being able to to win the tournament. There was a, a crazy viral video also going around. I don't know if you saw this, Mike, where, you know, one of – um uh the the winner's fellow golfers was trying to run up and celebrate with uh, with them and he got tackled by <laughs> by security at that the at the, yeah. the event. So that added to just the, the the wild nature of it all but you know once again, you know, Nance delivers with a big time call.
1: Let's take a listen. Jim Nance, CBS, 72-footer walk-off. Here we go. Leaf flag. Good pace. Are you serious? Glorious and free. All right, that's Jim Nance at the Canadian Open last week. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? He makes it from 72 feet out to win the Canadian Open. I said it, it was like he won the Masters with that. That, that was such an unbelievable moment there. Uh, But we have an unbelievable moment. We're going to bring in, here on the Announcer schedules podcast, as promised, episode 52 has a little Philly flair to it. But you probably recognize her voice all across the country, and that is Kate Scott. And we are happy to bring, well, I would know her as the voice of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, because I'm in the Atlantic City area. But many people would hear her all over the country, uh, NHL, college football, soccer, and she's going to be doing NFL football now as well, as we welcome Kate Scott into Episode 52 of the Announcer Schedules Podcast. Welcome, Kate. How are you?
2: I'm doing great, guys. How are you today?
1: We are excellent. It's uh, great to have you on. Uh, You are now the uh, lineage of Philly broadcasters. We had Mark Zoom off (laughs) on Not too long ago about his new podcast, Tom McGinnis, was on with us right around Christmas time as he was telling about travel during the holidays for broadcasters. And we know this podcast is all about journeys. So, Kate, where did it all start for Kate Scott as a little girl (laughs) wanting to get into the broadcasting world? Tell everybody kind of where you first kind of decided, you know what? I want to do broadcasting.
2: Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me, you guys. It's great to be on, and thanks for everything you do. Uh, Well, it started far from Philly and Jersey, that's for sure. started on the other side of the country. I grew up in Central California, so Fresno-Clovis area, for those of you who know the big state of California, uh, and was a sports nut from the time I was a little girl. Watching sports, playing sports, refing sports, I did everything. But uh, I'm an 80s baby, so at that point there was very few women on TV talking about sports. So I actually didn't think that this was going to be a career as I was getting ready to uh, send in my college applications, because this was before everything was digital. You actually had to do it paper wise. And I was walking to the office as a junior in high school and ran into one of my favorite advisors. And he asked me what I was doing. And I said, I I think I'm going to go into teaching. I want to impact the next generation. And he said, well, Kate, that's great, but I just want to point something out to you. Um, you've played four varsity sports since your freshman year. You're the editor of the sports section of our high school newspaper. You're on the microphone leading cheers at Friday night football games. You're on the PA at men's soccer games leading, you know, he's like, so maybe you should think about sports journalism of some kind. (laughs) And I said, oh, Mr. Schmossel, that's a really good idea. I hadn't thought of that yet. But again, this is late 90s, so I could count on one hand. I'm sure you guys are right there, right? Leslie Visser, Andrea Kramer, Bonnie Bernstein. Like this was before Michelle Tafoya. Hannah Storm was just getting started. So there was very few women doing this. So I just never thought that it was something I could do. But thankfully, because of that, went to UC Berkeley, went to Cal, and started to investigate communications and journalism and About a million steps later, here we are. But I'll let you get back in, because obviously I could talk about this for a long time. But it started in Central California, playing sports, loving sports, and and a great interaction with somebody, Mr. Schmozzle, who's still in my life today.
1: Well, Mr. Schmozzle uh, created the first woman, not created, but uh, helped push the first uh, woman to call an NFL game on radio, uh, Pac-12 network, play-by-play announcer of the first ever all-female NHL broadcast, and obviously, uh, one of the first uh, here well the first in Philadelphia to be the primary voice. Uh, let's start there for me um, with the sixers because that's your full-time job. Uh, sure. getting that yeah. call to replace Mark who obviously abruptly retires he comes out of nowhere and decides, I'm done, I'm not doing this anymore. And here comes Kate Scott. you had chronicled <laughs> on his podcast that you know in the beginning it was a little uh, you know you had some hate coming at your way, but it seems that that has dissipated but tell us a little bit about all the stuff that you did. And then you make the decision, I'm going to go for the Sixers job and then getting that call. Yeah, gosh.
2: Well, all the stuff I did, I mean, it's, it's too long to list. But it started in print journalism. And then I thought, again, because I'm so old, I could be a sideline reporter or a sports anchor. I thought those were the ceilings for me. Thankfully, I've had a lot of male champions along the way because you guys know. This is, this is a male-dominated industry, and guys are making a lot of the decisions. Um, but one of the guys that I worked with at Cal got asked to produce a high school football package right after I graduated. And he said, hey, Kate, I want you to try play-by-play. I said, Paul, you're effing crazy, dude. And he said, yeah, yeah, whatever. Nobody's going to be watching. All the dudes who I'm asking have never called anything before. This is where you start, just like athletes. You start at the high school level. And you progress from there to the college level. And then if you're good enough and want to keep going, maybe one day you can progress to the professional level. So that's what I did. High school sports in the Bay Area for play-by-play. Then got hired by the Pac-12 Network, called everything there. Was also calling stuff for NBC Sports Bay Area. Was calling A10 Hoop for uh, NBC, this NBC Sports Network that obviously uh, went away a couple of years ago. But that's how... That led to the hockey thing, and I was doing radio football with Mike Golick when I got this gig. So anyway, just always saying yes to opportunities, continuing to ask for critique from my producers, from the people who were in charge of the stations I was working for. How do I get better? What is the next step I need to take to continue to progress as a broadcaster? So I was calling a ton of high school stuff, college stuff, then started to get nibbles at the professional level, um, And then Mark, as you said, abruptly retired. I've known Mark for a couple of years. I talked to him because he's written a couple of books about sports broadcasting, and he reached out to me since women were starting to do this. So we'd actually connected a couple years before, but I, like you guys, never expected Zoo to retire when he did. And I remember because he did it by writing that letter for NBC Sports Philadelphia's website. And I remember saying out loud when I read it, man, whoever tries to follow these guys are freaking (laughs) idiots. And then later that day, my agent calls and says, hey, Kate, did you see the zero side? Think you should think you should apply for this. And I was like, of course, because I'm the idiot. Um, But again, uh, I never expected the Sixers or really, if I'm being completely honest, any professional organization to be ready yet to hire a woman. Right. Um but the Sixers and NBC Sports Philly to their credit invited me to be a part of the process, made it through the interview rounds, invited me out to Philly to audition just like everybody else. Uh, and apparently they really liked what they heard and saw. Um and multiple people since then have gone out of their way. They haven't had to say this. Um, but but they made sure in my first year to say, Kate, I want you to know you were the best broadcaster, period. You you don't hire somebody at this level to look good. You might hire your daughter to call your high school basketball teams games, but you're not hiring somebody to be the voice of a very well-known respected franchise in one of the biggest leagues in the entire world, if they are not ready for this. So I really appreciated it. That they said that because I was confident already. Obviously I've needed a lot of self-confidence to get here, but that, that really helped put me over the top and I knew it was going to be difficult for anybody who followed a yeah. legend like zoo, right? A Philly native. Um, so I knew all of that. And to be completely honest, I'm surprised at how quickly so many fans have come around. I gave myself three years. So the fact that so many already came around in year two means I'm doing something.
1: Right, I was going to say the evolution of when you began and to where you are now, how different is the reception from your, from your end? I know you, you mentioned you did, you were pretty candid on Mark Zumoff's podcast mm-hmm. uh, about the beginning Uh, But how do you feel that that has kind of uh, evolved?
2: Yeah, it's again, it's been remarkable. Um, And I credit Philly fans and Sixers fans all over the world because uh, you cannot force people to accept you. Right. You can't tell people what to think or do. (laughs) As we all know, we were all teenagers at one point. If you tell me what to do, I'm going to do the exact opposite. Probably just to piss you off. But (laughs) uh, you just have to give people time and space to accept things, especially when they're new and different. And like I said, when I first got hired, I knew that for most fans, I was probably the first woman they'd heard hear, heard call anything. And now all of a sudden I'm coming in to call their beloved Sixers. Like that is a huge change. And I knew it was going to take people a lot of time. And I knew it was my job to do the work, do it to the best of my ability. And if people came around and came on board, great, but again, me telling them to do that wasn't going to help anything. All I could do was continue to get more and more comfortable in this role, learn the team, learn the city, learn everything I could, and continue to get better. Um, So, uh, you know, I I think credit to the fans. Um, I think that I have made huge strides since my first couple of games here, understandably so, Uh, moving across the country. There was so much going on behind the scenes that people don't understand and understandably don't care about. So, uh, I'm so happy to be here, loving being here, and I'm grateful for all the all the steps that I took before this because, as I also said, it wasn't a Philly thing; it's not a Sixers fans thing. Change is difficult, so when I called NFL preseason in 2016 there was blowback. When I called football for the Pac-12 network, there was blowback. When I called the hockey game for NBC, you know, so all of those things, I already had thick skin, but they just toughened me up even more. So I knew what to expect coming here. That never makes it any easier, but I knew what to expect. I knew that I just had to do the work. And now here we are.
0: Kate, thanks so much for joining us. You're entering your third season now as the, the voice of the Sixers. Tell us a little bit year one versus year two, you know, year one, covid a big part of the equation oh. monitors all these things that broadcasters had to deal with not to mention just getting settled in you know with new city new mm-hmm. fan base new job new colleagues all these things uh compare and contrast year one to year two
2: <laughs> yeah i feel they're almost um incomparable <laughs> it was so funny um i don't know like a month into to season two last year getting a ton of notes from <laughs> Apologies. There's a, a thunderstorm right
1: now. My dog's not a yes, big fan it's of th- pouring. Th- by the way, Phil here uh, <laughs> on the East Coast. It is. I can hear it coming through uh, up on the roof here. You good? You good, Pipes? You good? Trying to do an interview. Come on. Let's, let's come All right. All right. Mom, I had Mom, in my notes then. to ask about Piper the dog. By the way.
2: Well, it, and here she is. She's <laughs> he's leaning into the conversation. Well, and I'll she'll
0: be- make I- the the mentions for this week's show as well. We'll, we'll get her in there.
2: <laughs> really. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was. And people were saying, gosh, she sounds so much more comfortable. And I wanted to respond, uh, you think? <laughs> because, again, uh, it was COVID. So a lot of things that help you feel comfortable as a broadcaster, talking to the athletes that you're covering, interacting with the coaches, following practice, all those things I wasn't allowed to do because of COVID. In addition to that, trying to figure out a cross-country move. Uh, I was in the midst of calling a, a national college football package with Mike Golick Sr. So I was still traveling all the way through almost December every weekend. Um, so that was difficult because I'm trying to prep for a college football game and also try to get caught up with the NBA. Um, and I was putting a lot of pressure on myself as well to try and be as good as possible, as quick as possible. And understandably, fans heard that and said, man, it sounds like she's trying too hard. and the truth of the matter was, I, I probably was trying too hard because I just wanted—I wanted people to to know who I was, but you know, was probably gripping the wheel a little bit too tight. So, year two, so much difference. We had started finally traveling with a team in February of my first year. That helps you get to know guys better. Started being allowed going to practice started to just you know know Philly a little bit more know the fans a little bit more get to know Allah a little bit more all the things that just help you settle into any job let alone a job that is live television in front of hundreds of thousands of people so yeah it was night and day and you know at the end of this season we obviously faced the Brooklyn Nets in the first round of the postseason which we call an Ian Eagle huge fan of his I think he's one of the best broadcasters around right now asked how it was going same thing and I said, man, night and day from year one to year two, but I'm really looking forward to year three, because I feel like that's going to be the one where I, I've got it all now, and now I just get to do play-by-play. I just get to settle in and be me. And he said, it's funny you said that, Kate, because year three was the year I really felt like I really started to settle into things. So I can't wait to hear you, and and hopefully that comes true, because I'm really looking forward to year three.
0: And meanwhile, in this offseason, two big announcements and they came back to back Kate yeah. you know first the uh, Seattle Seahawks naming their preseason NFL television crew uh you're going to be handling play by play for those games in August and then in July the women's world cup yeah. i mean what an opportunity for for any broadcaster to be able to to get a chance here i know you've got a bunch of background in soccer as well but would love for you to tell our audience about both of these opportunities and how meaningful they are to you Yeah, it was a very busy week last week, that's for
2: sure. (laughs) I said, is there any way we can space out the announcements, everybody? (laughs) Um, But incredibly humbling. Um, You know, as as I told you guys, I was obviously working my way up on the West Coast for a couple of decades before I moved out to Philly two years ago. Um, So the the Seahawks front office folks and communications staff and PR people knew me, knew me very well because of my work with the Pac-12. I was in Seattle and Washington and Washington State and stuff a lot. Um, And Kurt Menefee, who'd been doing their preseason for a number of years, just too busy. Obviously, Kurt hosts Fox's Sunday NFL coverage, and he's doing a bunch of other stuff now, and it just got to be too much for him. Uh, And they reached out, and I was blown away, you know, obviously – Big Eagles fan now, um, but uh, it's a business, and if an NFL team, again, like an NBA team, if a pro team calls you and asks if you're interested, uh, the answer is usually, heck yes, uh, where do I sign? So, really flattered and excited about that opportunity, and yeah, the Women's World Cup, uh, it's it's a dream come true, um, because I grew up playing soccer, that was my travel sport, was going to play in college, tore the meniscus, and that actually started my broadcasting career, sooner than expected, but... In, in uh, retrospect, a blessing in disguise. But it was always my dream to play in it growing up. Uh, that dream has shifted, but now to get the opportunity to, to to potentially be, you know, the voice, the soundtrack to a player or a country's huge World Cup moment. Um, you know, I'm kind of getting chills just just saying that aloud again. So really a dream come true. It's going to be a busy summer. I'm tired actually just thinking about it. I'm calling NWSL National Women's Soccer League Soccer right now to get back in the soccer calling rhythm to prepare for that. But again, huge opportunities, really excited about them and really excited about hopefully what they can do for other people who don't look and sound like a lot of the people who've been calling sports for a long time, because you guys know that's huge to me, uh, trying to open as many doors and minds. Of people in and outside of the industry who are fans, uh, to to let them know that anybody who loves sports and is prepared can can do this, even though it might look and sound a little different than it has before.
0: Yeah, congrats on, on those two opportunities, Kate, and I think it's going to accomplish exactly what you just mentioned there. Well, you go from the NBA to World Cup soccer, to the NFL, then back to the NBA. You've also called college football, as you described with Mike Golick, the NHL, uh, baseball, uh, you name it, you've done it. Um, we talked to a lot of broadcasters about the following, you know, shifting gears from one sport to the other in the mechanics that are involved, the you know, uh, the preparation that's involved, ultimately the execution that's involved. Can you Tell us a little bit about that. How you kind of get into these different mindsets, and perhaps how the different sports present different challenges.
2: Yeah, uh, they're all very different, as we all know. Um, and people often ask me, "Why do, <laughs> do I do so many different sports?" Because they are so different. Um, but that's one of the reasons that I enjoy calling all of them. One because I love all the sports. I wouldn't call them if I didn't love them. But because I think they do, I learn something about myself as a broadcaster calling each different sport. And now that I'm so in tune and so aware of the the fine margins that I'm now working in at this point in my career, you know, hopefully there's no more big leaps. There's just little fine tuning you need to do to go from good to, to great in each different sport. I feel like they inform each other um, the way that so I'm calling soccer right now, as I mentioned. And obviously, in my opinion, on television, it's a much more quiet sport than than football and basketball because uh, it's a slower paced game you have such a wide shot and because you can see once you identify the players the first five ten minutes of a match I don't need to be calling every single pass until they're towards the attacking third of the field as we call it in soccer and even then I don't like to over talk and do a radio call which is more of what we do for basketball on on television because the the ball moves so quickly but in soccer I really like to just maybe say the last name of the player and let their play do the talking. So very different. And then a lot of silence after goal calls because you want the reacts, right? Um, so a lot more silence than we're used to then feels comfortable calling basketball and even football on television but I like to let those things inform my other sports. And how can, oh, I really liked using that word in this match. How can I use it in basketball? Obviously you're probably not gonna use lovely and wonderful and delicious when you're calling a basketball game, but maybe there is a spot for it, right? Um, so I always like to, to try to weave those together when I can. Um, but if not, just try to use each different game and match that I'm calling to say, okay, What did I learn from this broadcast? Is there anything I can take from it into the next sport I'm calling? Or is there just any preparation, any way I was able to cut some time off my prep? Because you guys know that's where the majority of time is spent, that I learned prepping for this sport that I can carry into this one.
1: Kate, uh, you mentioned, you know, as Phil just has football, volleyball, men and women's soccer, men and women's basketball, <laughs> softball. Um, tell us a little bit about that all-female NHL broadcast and hockey, because to me, Ooh. you know, I've done a lot of sports, um, yeah. and I can probably jump in and do whatever. But I've tried hockey. I'm not trying that one again. So where's your <laughs> hockey uh, background in terms of calling that? Because to me, hockey is a different level.
2: Oh, it's, it's the hardest sport, Mike. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, in regards to the zoo conversation, I raised my hand. I'm an idiot, guys. I say yes to ridiculously big challenges. Uh, and I actually said no originally. So NBC called, been working with them, obviously calling A10 Hoop and calling WCC and other men's hoop out in the Bay Area. And they said, you know, we have this crazy idea and all women's NHL broadcasts. Every position is already filled by somebody who works full time in the NHL except for the play-by-play spot. We want you to do it. <laughs> and again, I said, okay, you guys are effing crazy. Uh, <laughs> and no.
1: And they said, said, yeah, we So you said no originally.
2: I said no originally, but I didn't hang up on them. I thought about hanging up on them, but, you know, it's the mothership. It's NBC. So I thought that probably wasn't the best idea. And they said, yeah, yeah, we know, Kate, but we just we want to lay this out for you. Again, every position is filled. This is not a promotional stunt. That was another thing I pushed back on. I said, you guys, I don't want to be part of a PR stunt. I only want to do this if it's really good or as good as it can be. And they said, we understand that. Every single woman except for you works in the NHL. And we think it is so important, if just for one day, to show hockey fans, to see show young girls growing up in this sport, you can do this. You can't. It's not just being an analyst like Kendall and AJ, the Olympic gold medalists who I worked with, who were covering the NHL at that point said, we want to show them camera operators, directors, producers, graphics. And the only role we need to fill is play-by-play. And we know through all your other work that you are going to prep your ass off and you are going to find a way to make yourself a play-by-play announcer for this sport because you are a professional play-by-play announcer. And then they, of course, dropped the, you know, Al Michaels had never called hockey before the <laughs> 1980 Olympics. And I was like, you guys are not seriously putting Al Michaels and me in the same sentence. And they're like, no, but we just wanted you to know. The reason we gave Al that assignment was because he was a young, uh, up-and-coming play-by-play announcer who we knew was going to put in the work and learn what he needed to learn to call that sport. And we we're going to do whatever we can to help you he prep for it. So thing is, I did know the sport of hockey. So my dad and I, growing up again in the Central Valley, California, the Fresno Falcons minor league hockey <laughs> team. Oh, my gosh. Talk about fun Friday and Saturday nights, right? My dad was loving the fact that it was probably $2 beers. I love the fact that between every period, I could go down. The guys would walk off. I'd get pucks and sticks, and there was fights because, you know, it was minor league hockey. These guys were awful. I could probably skate faster than a bunch (laughs) of them, but it was so much fun, so I learned hockey that way. Then the San Jose Sharks were launched out in – I grew up a Bay Area sports fan, and they became the Bay Area hockey team, so I started following them. They started off great, Um, so I actually grew up loving hockey and understanding it. It wasn't cold turkey that I was diving into the sport, but you guys know. There's a big difference between watching a sport and calling a sport but but to Nbc's credit they they flew me to a number of different NHL arenas to call fake games behind the scenes after every game they would critique me we would work on things so uh, I still wish my goal calls were better that game but uh, but I was I gave myself like a A B minus, maybe a B for that game. Because what you said, Mike, it is so hard. It's radio. You have to call every pass. You can't look down at your board because the guys have helmets on. All you know is their numbers. They don't have numbers on the front. Like in football, at least you have the two-sided numbers. They have their mask on on the front. So... It was an incredible challenge, but I actually had a blast once I called it. Um, so so who knows? Maybe there's more hockey in the future.
1: Very fast uh, that sport goes. It moves, <laughs> it moves, fast. it moves. Uh, you worked with uh, Mike Golick, as you mentioned. Uh, I had yeah. Golick on my radio show, and he went out of his way to talk about how much fun he had and how different your broadcasts were. Mm-hmm. What was it like doing that college football package with Mike? Well,
2: I'm glad that the checks are still clearing and he's still saying nice things about <laughs> me. Uh, and no, it was, I mean, we're still buddies. We text all the time. Um, and I know that I would not have been as confident coming into the Sixers job uh, and as excited to be here if I hadn't actually been working with him at that time. But we had an absolute blast. So Learfield, who's kind of the Westwood one of the college sports level, right? Um, they wanted to launch this new college football package, college game of the week in the afternoon evening time where there's usually a break because the early morning SEC and ACC games are over. Pac-12 isn't starting till later. So there was a chunk that was kind of open in the radio schedule during the college football season. And they said, hey, let's launch a national kind of game of the week because Saturdays are meant to be fun. That was the motto. And they really wanted it to be fun because they didn't want it to be just another broadcast. They wanted us to give people who were just flipping the dial a reason to stay on a Colorado, Arizona state game, even if they were driving in Alabama, a reason to stay on, you know, an Ole Miss, Tennessee game, even if they were driving in Washington, like grab the listeners, have fun. What the heck am I listening to? Uh, And then call the football game in addition. So we had so much fun. I mean, we had a game on Halloween where he dressed up as Moses. I dressed up as Moses' <laughs> his beer. He was giving uh, commandments throughout the broadcast. One of them was thou shalt throw to your 6-6 tight end at the back of the end zone because he's going to win that jump ball every single time. Um, but it was, it was amazing. And it showed me, again, that I can call football. I can call it at a high level. But I can also be myself because I think as anybody who listens to Sixers games knows I love to have a good time. So they were pretty much asking me to be myself. And Mike, as he told you, it was the most fun he'd ever had broadcasting because he always had to kind of be the serious football dude. And now yeah. all of a sudden I was getting to pull the look that we knew from his days on ESPN radio in the morning out. Um, so it was a blast. It's still going. Now Michael Jr. is doing the games. He's passed the baton to his son. So yeah, it was a blast. And I have no doubt that it it prepared me and got me in the right mindset to to call Sixers basketball.
1: Well, uh, we always like to leave uh, our guests uh, with an opportunity to kind of share maybe some travel snafus or where you have <laughs> some. Uh, I know when you first started, I don't know, I don't remember this year as much uh, yeah. that you had some conflicts with the Pac-12 where mm-hmm. you didn't do some of the Sixer games early in the season, but where you have to multiple things going on and the travel brings you all over. Uh, Do you have anything fun that you can share for the listeners of the behind the scenes life of a play by player? Because we always take for granted the play by players there and they got there on plenty of time and it was all Mm -hmm. perfect. So uh, do you have something you can share with the listeners.
2: Except for the time when you're stuck in a Denver airport for seven hours and you're really you're just seeing connection after connection get canceled. And, love you, Denver. But I have never had more trouble <laughs> than that beautiful airport. Thankfully, there's a lot of restaurants and bars in it. And I think I maybe visited every single one that day. <laughs> um, but I think some of my the most fun were actually uh, because so I was doing the, the radio package with Golik, actually, when I started the Sixers gig. And that was a reason I had to miss a couple of games at the beginning, because I'd signed that contract and was still continuing it. But because we had places to get back to ASAP, we were usually in the car together at 3 or 4 a.m. on Sunday mornings, driving to the airport together. And we'd be rocking out to 70s and 80s rock. We'd be listening to Smartless podcast. <laughs> we'd be taking selfies with each other at gas stations. So that was That was a blast, but there have been multiple times where I've learned my lesson. I'm sure you guys have too. Whenever you can as an announcer, you try to get in the night before because there have been very hairy mornings where – you think you're on the 6 a.m., and then it gets pushed to 7 and 8 and 9 and 12, and your game's at 7 that night in another state, and you're thinking, holy cats, how am I going to try to make this? Um, but luckily I have not missed a game, knock on wood, Never. just yet. And now now that I'm you traveling ever, with the
1: sixties, it's gotten a little bit easier. Have you ever got the call because somebody else missed the game and weren't available?
2: Ooh, that's a good question because I know that that's happened to a lot of other people. Oh, we've
1: had a lot of those stories where people got their break because somebody couldn't make the game and they happened to be in that region and they got the call.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, not not uh, with that little time to spare, um, but that was actually how the NFL stuff started back in 2016 was because of the Rio Olympics. And Ted Robinson, who was the radio voice of the 49ers at that time, Calls diving at the Olympics. So Bob Fitzgerald, who's the voice of the Golden State Warriors, who does radio usually in the preseason, while Ted pops up to TV, uh, popped up to call it on TV, and then the 49ers needed a radio voice. So you guys know every every little break like that matters. And I still give Bob and Ted uh, thanks and credit for helping me crack that little ceiling and get my foot in that football door. So, yeah. Uh, but I, I have been grateful, actually, the last couple of years. Shout out to Matt Murphy, who's the G League voice for the Philadelphia 76ers. And I've been really excited that because of those games I missed at the start of my Sixers tenure, Matt was able to do some games on the radio with Tom McGinnis stepping up to TV and uh, got real sick at New Year's this year. So Matt called another one. And, and for me, I love lifting up other people in this industry because it is a family. It is a really small community once you get into it. So anytime I can help out others that it gives me a whole lot
1: of joy. Well, she's Kate Scott. She's the voice on television on NBC Sports Philadelphia of the Philadelphia 76ers. She'll be entering her third season. I know. It sounds crazy, right? You are (laughs) the voice of the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, amongst other things. She'll be doing the Seahawks uh, in the preseason, and as Phil uh, mentioned as well, the Women's World Cup is coming, and uh, she has done it all, and she is a real trailblazer, and we were lucky enough to have her on episode 52 of the announcer schedules podcast. Just a little slice of Kate Scott's journey. And you met Piper, the dog as well. Kate, (laughs) thank you so much. And we look forward to continuing to follow your work.
2: Thank you guys for having me. And thanks for everything you do. Seriously. All of us out here.
1: Appreciate it. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Kate, Kate Scott, everybody. Uh, We appreciate her jumping on board, spending some time with us here, Phil on the announcer schedules podcast. Now that's a journey.
0: Yeah, that was outstanding, really compelling to to learn her journey and all these opportunities. Until, you know, I, we started to do a little research for this and, and obviously talking to Kate, I didn't realize there was quite the, the breadth of experience in terms of all these different sports and so forth. Uh, hearing, you know, her NHL experience, uh, uh, her experience with Golik. Um, And obviously, you know, as a trailblazer, as one of the the very few women, you know, who call play by play on this level, um, just outstanding stuff from from Kate and hope our audience enjoyed it as much as we did.
1: Yeah, really enjoyed that conversation uh, with Kate Scott ball of energy. And you can hear how much passion she has uh, for everything she does from volleyball to NHL to uh, I think she's she's actually done. Uh, other, you know, sideline reporting, but she's done some, you know, updates on the radio. She's done sports talk radio. Um, there's a lot she has done out there, uh, including we talked about, um, you know, men and women's soccer, men and women's basketball, softball, volleyball. A very, very versatile voice. And, uh, of course, I listen to her all the time here in the Philly market on the Philadelphia 76ers games. Uh, And she said she's a little West Coaster, so let's dive right back into the final couple topics on the pod this week. And that's Bill Walton, the 30 for 30, the luckiest guy in the world. I know you were probably
0: locked in. I was locked in. I actually got to see uh, parts three and four a a second time, an encore performance uh, last night. They had it on uh, ESPN again. I think it's getting such good ratings. They're trying to squeeze it in uh, for some more encores wherever they can. But I kept a running list of the different announcers who uh, were mentioned and, and who were featured throughout the luckiest guy in the world. And if you haven't seen it yet, uh, and you're a fan of of announcing, not to mention uh, the NBA, and you know, um, you know, just an incredible. Uh, sports figure in Bill Walton. I highly recommend this 30 for 30. It was outstanding. But, of course, Walton in his uh, broadcasting career is documented. That's an interesting story in and of itself. Uh, he had an incredibly difficult time uh, with stuttering, you know, throughout his life and throughout his career as a basketball player. And then uh, the story goes, Marty Glickman, the legendary broadcaster, worked with him to overcome the stuttering. And then Ralph Lawler uh, had the initial idea to have Bill become a broadcaster. Uh, They become longtime partners for the Clippers broadcast. But then Walton, due to some some really, really serious uh, health stuff, um, you know, that that's documented and that's a big part of the story, um, actually gets let go by ESPN uh while he's dealing with all that uh, it gets really emotional through parts of the film during some of that but then of course he he's back uh today with e s p n um you know they they talked to dave pash his partner now, and then there was other kind of more you know um lesser announcers throughout it. You saw Jim Gray uh, quite a bit in an early role as a reporter of NBA action. You saw Brent Musburger and Rick Barry calling an NBA finals. You saw the NBC uh, studio show that Walton was a part of for a few years with Ahmad Rashad and Steve Snapper Jones. Uh, Also, uh, Kevin Johnson uh, was part of that. Um, you heard some of the Celtics broadcasters, including Tommy Heinsohn, you know, during Walton's Celtics years. Uh, Bill Shonley, the longtime Blazers voice. They document those Blazers teams, which were coached by Dr. Jack Ramsey, you know, who was a name that came up during our recent interview with Jason Jackson and who was a longtime uh, analyst for the Miami Heat and also for ESPN Radio. So altogether, just uh, I I love this this film all the way around, and, and give it, you know, uh, a definite Cisco and Ebert uh, thumbs up. But at the same time, um, from an announcing standpoint, and from a, a TV business standpoint, um, it's worth the watch for that alone.
1: All right, Phil, um, I, I did not get a chance to see it, and I will. Uh, I, I do. I did record it. I did. Uh, not, is it DVR on YouTube TV? I don't know what they call it on YouTube TV, but on my YouTube TV, I did record uh, the Thirty for Thirty on the walton uh, special when i have some time my plan is to try to dive into that uh all right we will uh get out of here with a little happy happy birthday we talked about mike breen at the start well it would only be apropos to end with marv albert 82 years old happy birthday marv
0: yeah marv of course recently retired and uh celebrated his 80s Second birthday, born June twelfth, nineteen forty one, in Brooklyn, and uh, obviously everyone listening to this <laughs> knows knows all about Marv Albert. Uh, just an incredible career. Uh, we mentioned his his son Kenny Albert, you know, on the the Stanley Cup Finals call this week, which is obviously uh, big for the, for that family. And you know, as I was flipping through the dial, actually yesterday they were doing a, a Dan Marino. Uh, marathon for whatever reason over on NFL Network, and they had a replay of the Dolphins-Jets fake spike game from the early 90s, if you remember that, Mike. And who was on the call? Marv Albert on play-by-play with Paul McGuire as his analyst. So uh, it was kind of cool to see Marv doing some some football as well as obviously all his years doing Doing basketball, you know, he worked uh, hockey also amongst other sports, um, but yeah, just an incredible career. One of you know one of the elite in terms of the things we talk about here on the Announcer Schedules podcast. And hey, big happy birthday! now he's 82 years old yeah marv albert happy birthday to marvin
1: of course uh uh thanks to everybody who listened today to uh this week's edition of the announcer scheduled podcast our conversation with kate scott hopefully you enjoyed that the voice of the philadelphia 76ers among uh, many other things as well uh, we'll be back next week with episode number 53 of the podcast don't forget like rate review subscribe and if you do that We will give you nothing but more episodes. It will be very kind of you to do. Five-star reviews are very nice. Nice comments uh, in the comments section if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, And if you do all those things, we will continue to be able to bring you the journey and the conversations of these great uh, broadcasters. Ryan Boucher last week, Jason Jackson before uh, the NBA Finals for the Miami Heat Radio. And this week, uh, Kate Scott was with us. So there's our last couple conversations. Go back through our archives. Last word on sports on Wednesdays, uh, sports media with TJ Reeves. Uh, Tell me a story I don't know with George Offman on Tuesdays and the announcer schedule podcast. Generally on Thursdays. This week, because of Kate's schedule, we moved to Fridays. So we're dropping on Friday and uh, timeless conversation with Kate Scott. So thanks to her. And of course, at announcer skeds, you can follow. That on Twitter to find out who is announcing what this weekend is a lot of sports, baseball, and the like. And that's uh, 27,000 followers and continuing to grow. So, for Phil, I am Mike. This is episode 52 of the Announcer Schedules Podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.